The first four is officially over on the men's side. And the real party gets started today at 12.15 Eastern on CBS. And it's only fitting that this big party, as the real tournament, quote-unquote, gets underway, only fitting that it begins on St. Patrick's Day. I'll preview all four Big East games going on today, and then I've got some women's coverage going on as well. WNIT game and a first four NCAA Women's March Madness game took place for Big East squads last night. And there's another WNIT game happening today involving a Big East team. Talk about all of that and more here on this episode of the Igloo, day 17 of the 2022 March Marathon. So, first and foremost, want to make sure I get this out of the way. WNIT action. Marquette blew right through Ball State. Again, this is a team that really doesn't play at a high pace. But when they need to, they excel at it. Case in point, winning 105-85 to over DePaul in the Big East Tournament a couple weeks ago. Well, they played at a high pace in this one. And they were up 18 after 3. And it was actually a 9-point game at the half. I mean, the second half was where they really took over. Marquette outscores Ball State 49-35 to in the second half and route to a 93-70 win. And Carissa McLaughlin leads the way again. I mean, she had a great Big East tournament. And she continues her great postseason play by pouring in 24 points on 8 of 17 shooting. 6 of 11 from deep. 6 assists as well. I mean, they had really well-balanced scoring. Lauren Van Kloon with 20 points and 8 boards on 9 of 13 shooting. Chloe Murata with a breakout game. I mean, I picked her as an icebreaker, I believe, against UConn in the semifinals. I mean, it may have been a game late, but still, a monster game for the junior. 19 points, 17 rebounds, 4 assists, 8 of 12 from the floor. Liza Carlin with a double-double as well. 10 points, 10 boards, 4 of 9 from the floor. Jordan King with just 3 points, but had 4 boards and 7 assists. 1 of 6 from the floor, 1 of 2 from deep. Off the bench, Antoinette Walker with 9 points on 4 of 6 shooting. And then 3 points for Juliana Okuson. 2 points each from Makaya Williams and Rose Nkumu. And then Danielle Middleton with a free throw. Marquette dominates the glass per usual, 51 to 30. 48.6% from the floor, 50% from deep at 7 for 14. Ball State was 41% from the floor, 26% from deep, 6 for 23. By the way, from the free throw line, Ball State was 8 for 16, just 50%, whereas Marquette, they were 82%, 14 for 17. Ball State, they were led by Ali Becky, 22 points, 10 of 21 from the floor, but 0 for 6 from deep, 15 from Sydney Freeman. Off the bench, they got 11 from Madeline Bischoff, who was 4 for 8 from the floor, 2 of 3 from 
from distance, Freeman was 5 for 13 from the floor, 2 for 6 from 3. And then, only 6 points from Telma Dis... Uh, Agat's daughter? I The good thing is, I've seen names from... That from is Iceland even considered Scandinavian? Because I know Norway, Finland, Sweden is considered Scandinavia. I don't know if Iceland is, but I, I've just seen names from Iceland that end in daughter. So I did as best I could on that. I think two for six from the floor, one of four from deep, four points from China Latimer, only two from. Marie Kiefer, and then back to the bench, four points each from Annie Roche and Yvette Subarats, and then two points from Jasmine Turner. So Marquette marching on to the next round of the WNIT, and then the first four took place for the first time ever on the women's side last night. The first first four game ever, Howard beat Incarnate Word in a very close game. DePaul Dayton was not close. And it wasn't favoring DePaul. Thanks to some really great three-point shooting. And DePaul really struggling shooting the ball. Dayton just beats their brains in and aims. I never would have seen that coming. I would have expected DePaul to issue a, issue de, issue a beatdown like that. But it's Dayton this time. They went up 55-32 to 32 at halftime. And they roll to an 88-57 win. A disappointing end to the season for the Blue Demons. So the big thing with Dayton was... The funny thing is, they were 13 for 20... 13 for 19, excuse me, from three after three quarters... They only took four threes in the fourth. They missed all four of them. And yet they still win easily. But again, 13 for 19 from three through three quarters. But percentage-wise, that's 68%. And for the game overall, 56.5%. And yet again, DePaul gets out-rebounded. 48-42. And leading the way for the Flyers, 28 points from Aaron Whalen. 10 of 17 from the floor, and she was making it rain from deep. 7 for 12. Then they got 16 from Makira Cook. 5, 5 for 11 from the floor, 2 for 3 from, from deep. But how about off the bench, Jenna Giacconi. With 21 on 6 of 13 shooting and 4 for 6 from behind the arc. So those three players combined for 65 points. They outscored DePaul all by themselves. Ariane Bradshaw with 7. 8 points from Tanin Magasa. Four points all for the free throw line from Kyla Whitehead. Eight rebounds as well. And, by the way, Magasa with 14 rebounds. 
And then all the other players to score off the bench, two points each from Bryn Shupil and Malia Perry. As for DePaul, outside of Anissa Morrow, they just couldn't get much. Morrow with another big-time game, 28 points, 17 rebounds, 9 of 25 on the floor, just 1 of 5 from deep. DePaul as a team from deep was just 5 for 20 for 25%, and then just 27% from the floor at 19 for 70. Lexi held with 9 points, 2 of 9 from the floor, 2 for 7 from deep. 8 points for Deja Church. Only 7 for Sonia Morris, who fouled out in her final game. I mean, I don't know if she has that COVID year, but that may be her final game. Seven points, again, three for 11 from the floor, made her only three-point attempt to the ball game. And Darion Rodgers with five points, two for seven from the floor, one of three from deep. And then only three came off the bench, and neither one of them scored. D. Bikelja played 16 minutes. Kendall Holmes played 11 minutes. And then Kiki Rimmer played just three minutes, and so... No Kiara Collier for this one, and Collier's been their best player off the bench this year. So, tough way for DePaul to go out. Finishing their season 22-11. and 11. But, I mean, obviously the future's pretty bright considering Anissa Morrow is going to be a star at, in this sport for a very long time. I mean, I definitely envision her as a four-year player, although she has that WNBA potential. I don't think she's one to really bounce super early to go to the pros. I think, at bare minimum, I think she's going to play at least three years. It's kind of how I see it. But, moving on to today, going to have all my picks and previews for all the action coming up today, again, four Big East men's teams tipping off today, and then there's one WNIT game that I'll get to after this, so don't go anywhere. Alrighty, the madness really kicks into gear today with the 64 team field. Well, the 64 teams that are left, obviously, they started with 68. First four games are in the books. And now with 16 games on the docket today, yeah, now the madness will really kick in. So, let's start off with the four Big East teams tipping off today. The other two will play tomorrow, and those teams are Villanova and Seton Hall. So the other four teams play today, starting with, on True TV, four, uh, at 12.40 Eastern, 13-4 matchup, Providence taking on South Dakota State. The Friars are three-point favorites only. And it's, it's kind of nuts that that's where the line stands. Again, this is a 13-4 game, and Providence is only favored by three points. I mean, looking at some of the other 13-4 games, I mean, Arkansas favored by four and a half. Illinois is an eight-point favorite over Chattanooga. And there's one other game I know I'm missing, which is 
Aha, Akron, UCLA. UCLA is a 13.5-point favorite. I, I mean, I wasn't expecting Vermont, Arkansas to be in that same ballpark as the spread for South Dakota State Providence. But, I mean, listen, South Dakota State is a dangerous 13 seed. I mean, they're like I've said before, They're 30 and 4 for a reason. And you could say Providence is 25 and 5 for a good reason. And the whole theme of the luck of the Fryrish, it's only appropriate that they play on St. Patrick's Day. By the way, I forgot to mention this before, but happy uh, happy belated Austin 316 day. Hope you celebrated by drinking some Steve Weisers and dishing out a few stunners. I would not actually dish out stunners because, you know, don't try this at home. But, you know, are we going to see maybe Stone Cold Ed Cooley come back strong? I mean, you heard what he had to say in that question I asked him at the Big East Tournament. We don't got to win eight, but knowing that they got punched in the mouth by Creighton, similarly to how they got punched in the mouth by Marquette back in January, and as I said in that question, after that game, they won eight consecutive games, didn't lose again for six weeks. Granted, they had nearly two weeks off for a COVID pause, but still, eight wins in a row, and that ain't a fluke. But I don't know. When it comes to South Dakota State, they're just so explosive offensively, and all they really need if they can knock down their threes, Providence is in big, big trouble. And I will say this, I feel like Providence is going to be fueled by some of the disrespect they've seen. I mean, they had, there was a video I think it was from like a news a station in Boston. And it was, does Providence have a chance to beat South Dakota State? That is so disrespectful. Oh my God. Again, it's a 13-4 game and they're talking about, does the 4s have a chance to beat the 13? It should be the other way around. But I mean, I guess that speaks to how good South Dakota State is as a 13 seed. I mean, I made that pick before. I'm going with South Dakota State in a close one. By the way, I made a couple changes in my bracket. Um, I actually went with Boise State over Memphis instead, and then I changed. You know what? I'm going Marquette over Carolina. I really feel it in my bones. And by the way, I was 4-for-4 four four with my first four picks. I had those out on the record, and I know I went 4-for-4. Four four. Anywho, speaking of Marquette, Carolina, I'm going with Marquette to beat Carolina and Carolina's favored by three and a half. I guess the reason why I'm picking Marquette, well, Shaka Smart has experience as a head coach in the NCAA tournament. Hubert Davis on the other side doesn't. I know North Carolina is the better team on paper and they're a much older and experienced team. However, I just like what Marquette has done more than North Carolina. I mean, I respect Armando Baycott a lot. I respect Brady Manick, Caleb Love. 
I just don't think Carolina is as battle-tested as Marquette. I mean, Marquette swept Villanova. Not everybody gets to do that. And you got to be some level of good to sweep Villanova because the other two teams, they were top four seeds in the NCAA tournament. Creighton in 2014 was a three seed, and then Butler in 2017 was a four seed that reached the Sweet 16. So, with a guy like Daryl Morsell who can lock, lock any guard up, and then you add in Justin Lewis... And then Kirk Queth being a guy who can deny down low a guy like Baycott and Brady Manick as well. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm going to go with Marquette. I feel decent enough going with that. Now to the night session, 6.50 on TNT. So by the way, Marquette, Carolina, that's 4.30 on TBS. So now 6.50 TNT. UConn taking on New Mexico State, you know, I respect New Mexico State a lot. Teddy Allen, great, great guard. And on the all-name team, I mean, Serge Jabari Rice leads the team in assists. UConn is just the better team, period. More experience. They're bigger, faster, stronger. And... I mean, listen, New Mexico State lost to Chicago State. And Chicago State is one of the worst teams in all of D1. So I'm going to go with UConn. And the spread's 6.5 right now. I don't know why, but I, I just feel like UConn is going to be... This is one of those games where like most people think, oh, it's a 12-5. I think it's going to be close. I think UConn could blow the doors off, off the Aggies tonight. And then in the final game of the night, 727, uh, involving a Big East team, that is, 727 Eastern on True TV, Creighton and San Diego State. Aztecs are favored by two and a half. Last time the Aztecs played in the tournament, they got waxed by Syracuse. And mainly Buddy Bayheim and Joe Girard. You know, Creighton is a lot like that Syracuse team. However, they're actually they actually have talented players on their team. Well, much more talented than Gerard and Bayheim. Well, then again, that SU team last year did have Kadari Richmond. Big East connection to Seton Hall now. But I don't know. San Diego State, I know. They played well in the Mountain West Tournament. It wasn't good enough to win it as they fell to Boise State. But here's what's bullshit. I mean, the funny thing was I was watching ESPN and Scott Van Pelt, who I have a lot of respect for and I love the guy, he was hyping up the BPI. I'm like, Scott, don't do this. Don't do this. Because the BPI is bullshit. It's a bullshit metric that favors teams with contracts through ESPN. And there's no way in hell, and I know San Diego State in the Mountain West is not a team that is favored by ESPN because they have a TV contract. There's no way in hell 
that San Diego State, according to BPI, is a 62% favorite over Creighton. No way! I mean, put some respect on Creighton's name. And by the way, something that I did notice, and it was pointed out, by the way, by great Creighton SID Rob Anderson, Brothers will be going up against each other in this game. Arthur Kaluma of Creighton and Adam Seiko of San Diego State. They're brothers. And Jahens Maniga, he said it on my show. The NCAA, it's not, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory at this point because there's evidence. The NCAA is all about setting up matches with narratives and all that shit in this matchup, because you have brothers facing off? Yeah, of course. You trying to tell me that's just coincidental? No, of course not. But the thing is with this game, San Diego State's a good team. But who's playing better right now? To me, Creighton. I mean, they dismantled Providence in the Big East tournament. And they are... They, they took Nova down to the wire without Nemhard. All, all of this without Nemhard. And knowing that Creighton's going to have a more of a home court advantage in this game, yeah, I'm going to take the Blue Jays in this game, as I've stated before. Now, on to WNIT action taking place today. Battle in the Garden State. Seed Hall hosting Fairley Dickinson. And Fairley Dickinson... You know, they were the number one team in the NEC. However, they lost in the NEC tournament in the semis as Mount St. Mary's ended up winning the whole thing. And yeah, they were beat by Bryant. And, you know, there's a connection there. Former Steen Hall player and captain, for that matter, Katie Healy, is on the FDU coaching staff. Now, I really think, I mean, Seton Hall is going to win this game. It's just a matter of, I mean, listen, I think Seton Hall, I think everybody knew that they were going to be a WNIT team. They're still one of the hottest teams in the country, having won 11 of their last 13 with some really good wins included over NCAA tournament teams, DePaul and Villanova, with that DePaul win coming on the road. I mean, I think it goes without saying Seton Hall's going to win. I feel like the women's NIT compared to the men's NIT, I just feel like mentally on the women's side, they're more into it than the men because I think the dejection of missing the NCAA tournament on the men's, I feel like it's more palpable compared to the women. Not to mention the men's NIT is only 32 teams compared to a full 64 on the women's side. And I feel like that would get the juices flowing more and fuel more motivation because, all right, we got to bowl through 63 other teams compared to 31. And there's, and when it's a bigger field, I feel like there's going to be more to prove. And I feel like that theory definitely applies for Marquette in this tournament as well as Seton Hall. I think both teams are going to make a good amount of noise in this tournament. Obviously, you got to get through the first round. Marquette did that last night, and Seton Hall will do the same tonight at Walsh Gym against FDU. So, 
a rather short episode of the Igloo today because I know, at least with the big news that happened yesterday, I think there's going to be a... We need a lot more time to process what's going on at Xavier with Travis Steele and Xavier parting ways, and now Xavier's going to need a new head coach. There's a lot of talk about who is going to be the next head coach at Xavier, and I, you know what? I'm going to try to get on my guy, Captain X. Hell, I might even get you know, his co-host for the Roll Blob Pop podcast as well. It's only fitting. So, Cap and the rest of the Roll Blob crew, I hope you're listening. Essentially, this is me putting out the bat signal, but for the Roll Blob crew to come out, come on the Igloo and talk about the coaching search at Xavier. I don't think they're, there's no way they're going to hire a new guy within, you know, by the end of the weekend. There's no way. So, with all that time in mind, I think there's a good chance you're going to see Captain X and maybe someone else on the Igloo very soon to talk about that coaching search. So, strap in, folks. The madness really gets going today. And then, same with the women, tomorrow is, it'll be down to 64 teams by Friday. And then you get 16 games on the women's side going on that day including one game involving a Big East team, and that is Creighton as they take on Colorado in their first-round matchup. So that's a wrap, y'all. Until tomorrow, this is Timmy I signing off from the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Celebrate it responsibly, hopefully by watching a lot of basketball today. And I again, I'll see you tomorrow here on the Igloo. Thanks for tuning in again. Celebrate safely this St. Patrick's Day, and I'll see you tomorrow.